0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: And to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry! Stupid! Corey Perry! Well, you're able to take away from Salonian. Skip away to
0: Hey everybody, we are back. It is another episode of the Forever Mighty postgame show. Patrick and Eddie running the games tonight as we take a look at the Ducks' 10th straight oh. loss. Eddie, this has been a brutal streak. <laughs> Just, Just a brutal the streak as they lose to Pittsburgh 7-4 to in exciting fashion after leading 3-0. Is there anything else we can do to get Randy Carlisle fired from this team? Or is 10 enough?
1: Change. Let's set up a change.org petition
0: <laughs>
1: to get him, to get him fired. You ma- imagine how many signatures that would probably get. A lot. At this point, it would be a lot. I'm it wearing the 07 CCM jersey today, remembering better times. <laughs>
0: Hey, remember when everyone thought that bringing Randy Carlisle back would be a great change of pace from Bruce Boudreau because he was a defense-first coach? And what and was Bruce that Boudreau whole thing could win that, in the, playoffs. the thing that people said were like Bruce doesn't know how to match up and strategize, but Randy does? <laughs> I'm like, get, get out of here with that! Get out of here with that! This team is—I uh, don't know, man. It's—it's it's almost to the point where it's comical because, um. We it, it's like a broken record night and night again with this team. Um, I, I we, we should hop right into some pregame stuff because we got plenty to talk about. Unfortunately tonight, uh, you know, regarding this loss. But uh, John Gibson makes the starting net tonight against Matt Murray. Uh, Pontus Auburg scratched again. Okay, I guess one game wasn't enough, and uh, so is Andy Walensky. Not too surprising. Raquel gets off sprung together, Richie, Henry, Kasha, Cogliano shut down Crosby man, Ryan Kessler, and uh, Jacob Silverberg, Gibbons, Rowney, and Sherwood round out the forward group, Lindholm, Montour, Fowler, Manson, Larson, Dotson, nothing really to look at there as in uh, anything all too different, but uh, this first period as a whole, we'll get to the goals because the Ducks obviously scored goals in the first period and that was what got everyone excited for this game. But Eddie... Just
1: jumping right on in here.
0: Jeez. Eddie, <laughs> just... <laughs> I don't want to talk so much about the game. <laughs> I know, I know. We can back it up. I'm curious your thoughts on uh, on the lineup tonight.
1: Uh, it was exactly the same, except uh, the big thing was Aber got scratched again and everybody was super upset with that. Um, where did, I don't know where he fits at this point, right? We already talked about this. If he is not playing top six... There's no point in bearing him on the fourth line. Kessler, Cognano, Silverberg is never they're never gonna play a part again as long as Kessler is a member of the Anaheim Ducks. So I get I get the frustration, right? He has eleven goals, I understand. But uh at this point, well, who who are you gonna take out? Daniel Sprong scores tonight. Nope. Uh, Henry Cash and, and Rich have looked good. Richie have looked good all season, and you're not taking Kessler and Raquel of the lineup. So that's that's how it's gonna be. Unfortunately, Pontus Averg is the odd out and he's probably going to be traded soon or close to the deadline
0: yeah i mean i guess you could argue like cogliano hasn't been great but then you'd also say that auberg is one dimensional whereas cogliano plays in many different situations so that makes yeah. that makes a lot of sense from that end hey hey but uh at least we didn't see a different defensive lineup we didn't see the That's pairing swapped it's been broken for nine games why would you why would you change up your defense who's been soft no.
1: Why? Why fix the lineup whatsoever? Let's just, like they just went in with the exact same lineup. So, but well, what are you going to do at this point, right? Like they're not moving anything around on that that third line with Kessler. They're not. Why anybody you bring up for the fourth line is not going to help. So, what all you can do is move Cash and Sprong around, and that's it. That's all they can do. There's nothing else they can do. There's no flexibility really at all with this lineup the way it is right now. That that's all they can do. it. And the only movement, like you said, you could probably make that make sense is switching up Lindholm and putting him with Manson and putting Fowler with Montoya. That's literally
0: all you can do, and they won't do it. It's just something. And Why not try it? I don't get the, the reasoning not to try it. Pittsburgh comes to town, though, man, uh, winning 9 of 10. So they're on the complete opposite end of uh, on a roll. They're on just a gigantic win streak here, and they've been crushing it. And then uh, they get to come and play Anaheim. And, you know, the first period, Eddie, people got, I think, overly excited about. I mean, hey, everyone's happy about the goals. I was happy when they were scoring goals. That's exactly what you want our team to do. But it just it's one of those things where it just didn't pass the smell test for me. Uh, it, it's, I, I want to break them down here in a second. But uh, did you get the feeling? Like these, these goals that Matt Murray let in were kind of uh, pretty opportunistic, pretty lucky.
1: Yeah, there, there was a few. He didn't look great. Uh, this was his only bad game, really, since his, he's, I think, on an eight-game winning streak. So this is one of his bad games against a team who can Yeah, can't since he's been degrees.
0: back, he's been playing really well since he came back from injury.
1: He brought a save percentage up from, like, 908 to 917 over that uh, eight-game streak that he had. And then the Pens as a whole have won nine of their last ten. And a lot, a lot of that's been on the back of, of Murray and, obviously... Evgeny Malkin, who just tore up the Ducks today because Sidney Crosby and his line did all the other work with uh, Jake Ensel. So, again, when you have those two guys split up, I mean, it's it's just going to be ridiculous from the start of the game, the amount of offensive chances they're going to get. This could have been 11, 12 to 4. If John Gibson isn't in net, the, the amount of good saves he made, especially in the first period on that Crosby line when they got some good zone time, I mean – there was no
0: way he was going to sustain that throughout the game, and obviously we saw that. I I don't get how in the hell uh, Pittsburgh wasn't scoring goals in this first period, um, but let's let's get to the let's get to the first goal of the game because there's plenty to talk about when it comes to uh, Pittsburgh tonight, and we will for sure get to it. But uh, Andre Kasha walks out from behind the net, throws a puck, literally throws the puck on net. They originally awarded to him. Uh, thinking it goes off Johnson it goes back to go back and take a look and Richie so happens to have his stick planted in the crease and it's able to tip it in off a bad angle right by Matt Murray all of a sudden the Ducks have a one-nothing lead everyone including myself are like okay cool I don't care if it's a bad goal it doesn't matter to me the Ducks got the first goal against a hot team maybe this is some momentum that we could keep going here right it, it put a good feeling in I, I don't it's care a what type of goal exactly
1: <laughs> who cares at this point this team can't score goals if it's going to go in off jack johnson or nick richie or whoever i don't care it's a goal and uh, it was their 12th
0: or their 13th goal in 10 games (laughs) yeah yeah that's
1: uh i want to hear i don't want to hear those types of stats tonight please but uh hey bonus nick richie's in the area, is getting paid to be in front of the net and he's getting tangled up with johnson and, and it just goes in off his stick i think and into the net so yep that, that's that's good right that's uh something bright side maybe totally
0: not, no we do it's a goal like you said so yeah. and and the ducks honestly in the beginning of the game helped, you know it withheld Pittsburgh to no shots the first seven minutes so it wasn't like it was you know bad out the gate get a lucky goal the ducks pretty much kept the Pittsburgh at bay for as long as they possibly could because then Crosby's line would turn it on and get ridiculous chances and Brian Rust, oh my God, man. He, I, he had coming right down the slot with a beautiful chance. And John Gibson, with his six foot, three, six foot 4 frame, is able to do the splits and just flip that leg out and make a ridiculous toe save on him in the slot. That was a beautiful stop there by John Gibson. John Gibson is, is God. I'm convinced. Goalie mean, God. This... Goalie God,
1: maybe. 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 <laughs> He's a. I mean, yeah, wait. Did you see that? I don't know if this was an actual graphic, but I saw somebody post a graphic that there was like a, a voting by the GMs or hockey writers on who is the Vesna front runner right now, and it was just, just fucking juicy for for Ducks Twitter because guess who was number one ranked? I'll tell you on that list. Freddie Anderson. Frederick. Frederick Anderson was number one on that list. <laughs> so it was just so. So right for Dutch Twitter to just just die on, and it was it was wonderful. Um, Where did ridiculous. you see that graphic?
0: You have to find
1: it. I, I our buddy uh, Coach Zach Gray tweeted it out, but it didn't have uh, any tags or anything oh. on it. But it looked like an official graphic. Uh, so somebody put it out. It, it was uh, some kind of they did a poll or something of GMs or. I'm going to hit him up tech. and
0: ask him about it. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, you just check his feed. It's probably there, but. Anyway, they had Frederick Anderson with, like, 64 votes and John Gibson with 62. Uh, Anderson right now is hurt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's not Listen, he's not been bad this year. But even when we talked about the Vesna discussion, he was, like, an outside pick. It was, like, Gibson, Rene, and uh, who I don't remember the other guy we had in there. But then Freddie was just kind of, like, the outside guy. Ridiculous. I mean, John Gibson, after saves like this, the saves he, that save he made is a nightly basis thing throughout the whole first period. He was stopping point-blank shots from Brian Rust constant. He made like four, three or four highlight saves on Rust. People are even bringing up the heart. I mean, there's legitimate people who think he's a contender for the heart. And, like, the only reason he won't get it is because the Ducks will just throw it apart in games like this where he gets six goals scored against him, which is going to tank his numbers. But it doesn't mean he doesn't deserve it. I mean, he was, again, the Ducks' best player in this game. But there's only so many chances that he can keep out of the net especially when you're trying to contain Evgeny Malkin on one line and Sidney Crosby on the other line
0: yeah you know I mean honestly he's the one who held held this team together in the first period I mean the Ducks score three as we get here to the second goal Cogliano from behind the net feeds a nice pass to Ryan Getzloff who I mean honestly Murray probably wants this one back too it squeezes in on the short side on him great release by Ryan Getzloff um, put the ducks up two nothing there, and as he was falling, did it look like he was like laboring when he got back up? And I noticed later in the game, Gesloff kind of looked like he was—I don't know—slightly favoring uh, that left leg.
1: He's, he grimaced a bit, but I, I originally I thought it was like, oh, he's like, oh god, thank god, I was on an eight-game scoreless streak. I finally got a point. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> but um, he—he he looked, at, I guess he looked like he was laboring, but that could all just be like you're just fed up at that point.
0: Yeah, maybe. My God, it's
1: it's 10 in a row now. You thought, you, go out, you get out of the first period, you're up 3 nothing. You're probably like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to break our, our losing streak against a really good team, head into Sunday with some confidence against the Winnipeg Jets, going to put on a show for the watch party. And, uh, <laughs> they better. <laughs> and he's just fed up. I mean, all the, a lot of the weight goes on his shoulders. He's the captain of his team. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't think he was hurt. Ryan Kessler apparently only played like 242. In the first period, but then he came back and he
0: was fine. So I don't know what happened with that either. He only played two minutes and forty-two seconds. Apparently, I saw somebody tweet that out. That's interesting. I'm surprised by that. Well, I mean, he was. Uh, I mean, that must mean that Crosby only played two minutes, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: he was. He was glued to Crosby's hip. That was. Uh... Randy Carlisle's big ploy for this game. You've got, you know, you got last change. You get to get whatever matchups you pretty much want. You know what matchup I want? Mm-hmm. Ryan Kessler against Sidney Crosby. That's the matchup I want. No, we definitely don't want that. <laughs> but that's hey, we Randy Carlisle wants that, and, I, and I'm a, I'm a supporter of. Uh, I can't even say it. I can't,
0: can't say it. No, I know. And then we get through the, we get through the third goal here in the first period. That's Daniel Sprong is able to rip one home from just inside the face-off dot on the right-hand side. Kind of kind of goes through a, a little bit of, of uh, traffic in front and beats Matt Murray low to the stick side. Gives the Ducks a 3-0 lead. And as you commented about it on our Twitter, you know, doesn't it feel good to score against your old team? You could tell in his celebration that he was stoked on that one.
1: Oh, that was great. That was, one, one, that was probably top three Sally of the year. Like that, that one's getting saved for later in the file. I wanted to use it tonight. I was fully prepared be like, "This is gonna, this is gonna grow tonight. This is gonna be our nice little gift to go along with our going live tweet." And then, uh, yeah, then they then they collapse. But Dan, Daniel Sprock's been really, really good. I've been I've been surprised. Six goals in sixteen games, uh, only one assist. So he's going for the the Cy Young equivalent in the NHL this year. But. Uh, I mean, he's he's been a pleasant surprise, and, and scoring against his former team, obviously, you could see he was pumped up about that. Uh, the way he left, they really weren't utilizing him the way the Ducks are right now, giving him first line minutes with Ryan Getzlaf, and that's what he really wanted. I mean, I'm, look at the guys they're playing with Sidney Crosby right now. Imagine if you were playing a guy like Daniel Sprong with Sidney Crosby, that that's something they missed out on. And not to say Marcus Pedersen is bad, he did no. an assist tonight. And, and maybe that's more of what the Penguins needed with some of the injuries they've had on defense this year and, and just the inconsistency that they've had on defense. But, yeah, I, I mean, it's great for him. Uh, I was pretty pumped to see him get on the on the score sheet. It, it's nice to see him still contributing, especially when we're scratching Pontus Aberg for this guy. You know, you want him to come in and actually put some pucks in the back of the net if you're scratching Pontus Aberg, right? So it, it's good to see him get on the board.
0: And so after that, it was all Pittsburgh. Literally, in the first period, that was all Pittsburgh after that. I mean, the Crosby line sat in the Ducks' defensive zone for, oh, I don't know, two minutes, it felt like. Two to three minutes at a time. Uh, and Gibson had to make three or four ridiculous saves in that Pittsburgh shift. And then, of course, at the end of it, why wouldn't you take a penalty? Josh Manson takes a penalty at the end of that. Kind of gets his stick up high on Evgeny Malkin. And uh, basically, that would wrap up the end of the period. The Ducks take a three nothing lead. Remember that three nothing lead at the end of the first. They outshoot Pittsburgh nine to seven. But what's funny about that is the scoring chances. That's the the stat that uh, kind of gets hidden in all this, right? You got a three nothing lead. You're out yeah. shooting the team. Uh, if you kind of read between the lines and look at what's really going on, on this, the Ducks were actually outchanced. In that first period, 10 to 9, and then high danger chances they were out chanced, 9 to 7. So it looked <laughs> like they were having a great first period. It was really John Gibson and a little bit of bounces here for the Ducks, right? I'm not going to take away the goals. We needed them desperately to prove they could still score them because it's been a while. But uh, I mean, John Gibson, if he, if he doesn't stand on his head in this first period, this game is tied in the first, I feel like, uh, easily. Yeah. Well, how many times do we say that, right? If yeah. John
1: Gibson doesn't, doesn't stand on his head, then this team's—they're uh, not having a good period. They—they they, they took advantage of some of the chances they got for sure. Uh, Matt Murray, I probably wants two or three, two or all three of them back. They really weren't great goals for him to give up. The uh, Andre Cash, Ka- the Andre a shot that goes in off Nick Ritchie—that that sucks.
0: Bit lucky, very time. very you lucky there. That, yeah. yeah, that's tough. Yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah, again, the underlying stats kind of show the picture for this one when you look at the scoring chances and the high danger chances were both in favor of the Penguins despite being trailing 3 nothing. It kind of wrote the script for the second and third period because if the Ducks were going to continue to play like that, the luck eventually was going to run out and the Penguins were controlling the pace of play and getting the better scoring chances. And, and despite John Gibson standing on his head, they were still down 3 nothing. So the, it really showed what was to come in the second and third period and that they were going to slowly take over this game
0: yeah so we'll get to that right here in the second period because this was utter dominance by pittsburgh they were down three nothing and they're like nah this is not the way we've been playing we're going to storm back right here malkin gets on the board early they uh just as the power play would expire and Giddy loses his stick from a shot i think it was by i want to say it was by petterson took a shot it hits the shaft of Gibby's stick, he kind of has to lose it to the side. Kessel picks up the puck and then just finds Malkin, who just does... He, he's so good at it, of just getting into those those little holes on the ice. Uh, splits the penalty killers right down the middle. And I believe it was Ryan Kessler who was behind him, so that doesn't help. And he's able to get, you know, full like open availability of his stick and just rips it by Giddy. And all of a sudden eh, they're only down three, one great pass though by a Kessel to go between the legs of Fowler and find, and find the blade. It, it was just a nice setup by two great players.
1: We talked about how Crosby was dominating the first period with gets and Russ. And, and then from the rest of this game on, it was Malkin and Kessel who made the ducks pay at every moment they could. I think Malkin finished with four or five points. I know he put at the goal and at least three assists from looking at the score sheet. And Kessel was up there for a few assists and a goal as well. So, again, I mean, it was all talk about the Crosby line, and it just shows how dangerous this Penguins team is and why they'd won nine of their last ten games and and were able to put up seven goals in this game. Is You can dominate one period with Sidney Crosby's line, and then all of a sudden his line can take a a period off, and you've got to deal with Malkin and Kessel on another line. I mean, that's just ridiculous, the talent that they have up front in this top six. I mean, you've got two... Bonafide superstars, some of the best players in the game, and Crosby and Malkin, and then Kessel. I, I, you could consider him a superstar in his own right as well. Uh, and even Jake Gensels, he hit 20 goals now already uh, with the two goals. That, or he had 21 now with the three goals that he got. In I mean, game. Who, does, who, does think think who does he play with? Who does he play with? He's not, he's yeah, not a on. superstar, but I mean, you still have to put up 21 goals in a season. I mean, you, you could plug anybody with Sidney Crosby and they'll do better. But Gensel still has to put the puck in the back of the net and, and some great players in their top six. And it's it's why the Ducks were made to pay. And again, they, they didn't fix anything from the first period. It's looking at the score and hoping that the periods after that is going to be exactly the same. When they got outplayed in that first period, they thought they could come out do the same thing, and Pittsburgh took it to them.
0: No, they did. Uh, we can get right here to the second Pittsburgh goal. It was Gensel. um What a horrible turnover here by Josh Manson. He has full control. He beats Gensel. Yeah, he beats – I don't know who he beats to the puck. I want to say it was just another Pittsburgh player. He beats him to the puck, and instead of, like, you know, skating with the puck, he goes to throw it right back up the boards. And in doing so, it goes right to Dumoulin, who's entering the zone. And then Dumoulin swings the puck all the way across the ice, finds Jake Gensel on the side of – the glove side of Gibby – who's in the low circle. Gibby comes out to challenge. Gensel kind of fakes a pass. and Gibby opens up the five hole, and that's all she wrote. It's three to two. Manson's not looked good this season, and that was not a good showing for him on defense. You can't just blindly throw the puck up the wall like that, especially when you have two defensemen back and you have an opportunity for control. The
1: Manson hate is real right now from a lot of people. Is it? Uh, It it is. A lot of people are upset with him, and he hasn't played well. So I get it. And... You know, when he hasn't played well before, it was like, oh, he still has a tough side to him, and he would lay out a guy, or he'd get in a fight. Yeah, that's not what we need right now. That. We don't need that. No, but we what I'm saying is we haven't even seen that either. Right. Like, normally, if, you're not, if he's not putting up the points, or he's not just playing a strong, solid game, he's usually doing that other stuff. But he was also playing with Hampus Lindholm before, so he could do whatever he wanted, because Hampus Lindholm was covering for him. Now he's playing with Cam Fowler, and he's responsible for doing most of the defensive work. And it's why I think he's been put in these positions where he's making a bad turnover, a bad giveaway a lot of the times. So I think that's really been a struggling point for Josh Manson is, is that increased defensive responsibility this year that he didn't have to have when he was with Hampus Lindholm. Again, it makes no sense why you watch that and say, how do we not put Josh Manson back with Hampus Lindholm and Cam Fowler back with Brandon Montour and see if it works? You've lost 10 just to games see. in a row. Just to see. Just just try. Um I got to give some credit to Sidney Crosby on this goal too, because he allows Jake Gensel's fake to actually work because he yeah. skates right in front of John Gibson eye line, and I know that's on purpose. Like that is that's completely on purpose to kind of throw John Gibson off right before the release by Gensel. He skates right in front of John Gibson, and that kind of screws things up. And, and Gensel does a great job opening the five hole, but you know some people are blaming Gibby for that goal. But again, with both of those things happening with the fake shot by Gensel. And the with Crosby kind of throwing a moving screen in front, that's a hard one to stop.
0: I mean, it is. Um, it just all starts with the defense that's just just been brutally soft. Um, I mean, maybe you want to have Gibby have that one back, but I mean, he's he put up more than enough saves in the in the first period, you know, to let a lapse in coverage not be acceptable here, right? You know what I mean? It's just I, I look more at the defense on this for sure. But um, I mean, the Ducks would go to the power play. So, you're thinking, hey, we're really, really bad at that. And we're on a losing streak. Maybe we could turn it around here and get another goal. They would not. Uh, Gensel pops out of the box, gets a breakaway, <laughs> of course. And he's as falling as he's taking a shot. He gets tripped up by Manson. So then Gibby makes the save, puts Manson back in the box. Pittsburgh goes on the power play. And I don't, was it a power play goal this last one? here by pittsburgh or did that one not go through the power play i I didn't remember catching a note on that i Um, think it was on the power play let's uh let's shame on me for not having correct notes here on this last one um yes it was a power play goal gensel's goal it was a power play goal so gensel again Gibby with a good stop and then montour can't seem to find the puck in his feet Uh, and guess who finds it phil kessel phil the thrill Feeds it over to Gensel, who's left uncontested in front by Hampus Lindholm. And all of a sudden, we have a tight game. Uh, That was kind of an unfortunate play, but uh, just more stuff happening in front of the net. And what are you going to do if you're John Gibson? How insane is this uh, this
1: power play unit where it's got Crosby, (laughs) Malkin, Kessel, and Gensel? And I think Chris Letang might be the... uh, It's Chris Letang or I think Brian Dumoulin, who's the fifth man on that power play. It's just ridiculous. I mean, how do you how do they not score? And I'm, I'm sure they have one of the top power plays in the league. I'd be surprised if they didn't, when you can just throw out that top unit for a minute, a minute 30, and you probably don't even need that much time most of the time to, to pop, a, pop a goal in the back of the net. But it, it's a tough one. I mean, you give this team that many opportunities, they're going to make you pay, uh, whether it's how can Crosby, Gensel, or Kessel on this one? Or who makes the pass over to Gensel to puts the puck in the back? that, not Nothing Gibby can do on that one. It's a straight one-timer from the slot. Uh, nobody's stopping that one. John Gibson would have to stretch out and get a paddle on it if he was hoping to make the save.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just unfortunate. And, you know, we, we come to find out that uh, the opening period where the Ducks were kind of able to keep Pittsburgh at bay... Whenever Pittsburgh got the puck after the first period, it was just pure domination. I felt like every time they had the puck, they would almost play keep away. They had so much movement through the neutral zone and the offensive zone, and they're so quick on their feet, and the, the passing is crisp. They, it was almost just men amongst boys at times. You, I mean, you had to have got the same feeling here.
1: No, it, it was. And again, like we said, that we kind of saw that in the first period, despite the Ducks going up 3-0. It was like that for the entire game. And then the luck disappeared after the first period. And the Ducks did play well. They played better in the first period. But all of that disappeared in the second and going into the third. Yeah. And then the, the Pittsburgh we saw before took over this game. John Gibson wasn't able to keep the Ducks in. I mean, he can't make ridiculous save after ridiculous save. It's not going to happen uh, when you're getting that many quality chances. The second period was the best period of the game for the Penguins. Obviously, they, they scored three goals. I think scoring chances were like 21 to 8. Or it was Something brutal. ridiculous like that for, for the Penguins in that period. They had more high danger chances by a, a wide margin compared to the Ducks. I, I mean, this is this, this is the, the Pittsburgh Penguins are used to seeing. They just generate offense consistently because you can throw out a line with Crosby and then a line with Malkin right after that. And they just play a ton of minutes and they, they just wear you down with that. And They come one after another. You get Kessler, who has to go out there and play hard minutes against Sidney Crosby, which he was clearly struggling doing, which makes sense. I mean, it's it's difficult to match up against Sidney Crosby when you're 100%. And when you're Ryan Kessler right now, the way he's playing, the way he's hurting... There's no way you're going to be able to match up against them. And then after that, they just roll Malkin over the boards and get whatever favorable matchup he's going to be up against, whether it's the Getz left line or the Henrik line line anyway. So it's tough. I mean, there's not much you can really do. It it sounds ridiculous, but you you can't really defend against that. Unless you're, you're going to get the luck, you've got to get one line shut down
0: completely, and the Ducks couldn't do that. Well, they got a little bit of luck at the end of the second period. Jakob Silverberg with a shorthanded goal. Henrique is able to stop the puck, you know, basically at center ice, push it ahead. Silverberg goes in, and all of a sudden he has his patented shot back, right? Able to just rip one over the shoulder and glove hand of Matt Murray to make it 4-3 to three at this point. And you're like, well, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe the Ducks can take this lead into the third and hang on. But uh, that was a hell of a shot by Silverberg, and you know, even though it was it was a fortunate it was a fortunate bounce for Anaheim, it was good to see him score a goal like that, Eddie. Yeah, a bit of
1: nostalgia seeing Jakob Silverberg score what I guess was considered his patented shootout goal for so long. Where oh yeah. he would literally come down on every play, and his shot was just so good, and and his placement was just perfect, and he would just throw it over the shoulder, and that's glove side too. Like that, that's that's how ridiculous that shot is. That he was able to do that on a regular basis in the shootout. And even just in games on breakaways. I mean, he's he's putting, I think, top corner glove side. Not even making a move. He just shoots. It. He I just don't know have... how he was able to do that uh, on a consistent basis. And obviously that went away for a while. But it was nice to see him get that back. And, and somebody tweeted out he was, he was basically showing off for his new future team at the trade deadline. Oh, jeez. If, if the Penguins were going to go out and get him. So, uh, <laughs> Maybe. Uh, that could be a landing spot for Jakob Silverberg, but it was great to see him get on the score sheet. He's just up in his trade value at this point, honestly.
0: Yeah, maybe, right? I mean, maybe that's that's the case. But, uh, you know, this gave everyone in Anaheim hope because Pittsburgh was the last win that Anaheim's had this season back on December 17th. So everyone's like, oh, they got the lead. They're going into the third period. We're on a nine-game losing skid, but, hey, we're playing a team that we like to come out with fire against. We had a bad second period, but... We always have bad second periods. Why not come to the third period here and see what we could do? Um, and honestly, the opening of the third period was pretty stale. Um, not a whole lot of, of things going on there. But honestly, it, it didn't take that long for a chance to happen. And boy, oh, boy! If you're Derek Broussard, how do you miss this chance in the opening of the third period? Literally has an entire wide open net. Gibson's away off is uh, off his angle. And is like stuck on the far post. Broussard, all he has to do is throw it into a four x six, and literally throws it back into the side of John Gibson. And everyone, you know, I guess, I guess in the crowd you can't tell like if Gibby didn't catch that with his stick, but he literally found it like in his armpit. Yeah, shot <laughs> right in. Otherwise, it's you got to be lucky right to be
1: good, and you got to be good to le- be lucky. And in the beginning of the <laughs> game, John Gibson was good, and he got some luck later on. I mean, I don't know how Broussard misses that. That is, I mean, that happens. I guess when you're on yeah. that angle, sometimes just through the shooting motion, you pull it a little bit too much. And he's and left handed
0: and he was kind of almost deep. So if he was right handed, that's in the yeah.
1: net. Yeah, but still, I mean, he had the whole net to shoot at. And uh, I think even if Gibby's not there, that's missing the net anyway. Oh, I don't for think sure. That's going in because it, it hits him. Uh, Gibson's pretty much out of the net. A little bit of a poor position. He kind of got spun around a bit on the previous shot. And I don't think he expected it to get out to Broussard, but. Yeah, I mean they got lucky, it doesn't matter now, but <laughs> I was pretty happy about it when it when it actually happened because it was it was a pretty big play that Pittsburgh could have easily scored on that
0: one. I mean, it would have easily made a four four, but hey, it didn't take too much longer after that. Pittsburgh would get on the board after an insane amount of zone time develops into just a just it was a frenzy in the Anaheim zone for I don't even know how long. It seemed like five minutes. I know it wasn't, but they were in the zone for a long time. Of course it was the Malkin line. Malkin's able to feed Pearson. Pearson down low on the bottom of the circle. Banks it in off Gibson on the short side. No one saw it go in at first other than other than, uh, than Pearson, really. And all of a sudden, now we have a tie game. It's a tough one.
1: And, of course, it's the former king who uh, yeah. <laughs> he gets it all tied up. A, a trade that actually the Penguins might have won on, because Tanner Pearson's been pretty good for them. And uh, it, it's a tough one. Again but it didn't come against the pace to play. Pittsburgh came out in the third period. They knew what they wanted to do. They knew they could get back in this game the way they are playing. And one thing that bothered, bothered me a bit um, is the interview they did with Jakob Silverberg in the intermission where he said, oh, we want to get back to what we were doing in the first period. and uh, <laughs> Scoring goals. <laughs> yeah, we're getting lucky. I, I mean, yeah, you obviously want to get back to scoring goals, but it's not like you guys played that much better defensively. And I think he was even asked, you know, do you want to come out and play a defensive game in the third period, or do you want to get back to, to scoring goals like you did in the first period? And he answered, well, offense is the best defense. Well, that's you know that is the case if you're generating that offense, and and you're outperforming a team with your mm-hmm. offense. But they didn't. They got outperformed in the first period, heavily outperformed in the second period because they weren't really producing that many chances in the first. And uh, you would think. And maybe not sitting back, right? You don't want to park the bus against this team. But going out there and not trying to play the same way you did the first period. Playing a more defensively sound game, taking advantage of the chances they give you, but playing solid defense. But uh, kind of a mistake on their game plan going into the third.
0: Well, I mean, they probably should have played a little more defense here as we get to the fifth goal here by Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I think Larson was just watching Josh Manson on how to play defense here. He goes to chip the puck along the wall, too, when he has a chance to regain control. Granted, he had Phil the Thrill on his back. Phil Kessel was yep. right on top of Larson, knocks down the pass. Larson still gets the puck. skates The puck in. Larson end up in front of John Gibson, essentially. And somehow Kessel is able to bully the puck away, rip a shot on net, while he's behind Larson, and then get his own rebound and bury it. That is brutal. I mean, that was literally a man and a boy there, right? Honestly, I'm not trying to to say or belittle Larson there, but boy, did he just get, I mean, what is that? They call that posterized, right? You just get absolutely obliterated by the opposing team, whether it's a hit or a dangle. That was just a terrible defensive play by Larson, and now the Ducks are losing 5-4 at this point.
1: I was happy to have him back in the lineup after Mahur got sent down because I thought he was playing pretty decent and he looked like he was improving. And it's one play, but it was a pretty bad play. Oh, it was and it, so it's, bad. It was kind of why he was taken out of the lineup in the first place because he was making a couple of those every game. And, I, again, I know it's on Phil Kessel, but it's a bad turnover to happen. And then he gets beat out and out-muscled by Phil Kessel and allowed to get his own rebound again and then and then put it in the back of the net. And at that point, what well, that's the five four goal, right? That's yep. the the go ahead goal. And I mean you're just giving them goals at that point. I mean they're already coming at you. You you can't just hand them a goal on on a bad turnover. And you know, it's a little bit of an experience from Jakob Larson. But that, that almost sounds like a cop out at this point. He's played enough hockey in the NHL and, and he's he's played enough games this season mm-hmm. to not be making those mistakes on a regular basis anymore and it looks so much worse when it leads to a goal especially when it's a goal that gives the the penguins the lead in this one when you're just trying to hang on
0: yeah and let's let's wrap up the rest of this third period here pretty quick we're running a little long on this and we have some post game questions we got to get to for sure pittsburgh would give up one more opportunity to anaheim and that would be on the stick of jacob silverberg in front he gets overly excited isn't able to find the handle a base in a wide open net and fires the puck just like broussard but not as egregious Back into Matt Murray. That would have tied the game. You know that he was he was just looking at the sky there because he had an empty net, essentially, on Murray's blocker side. That keeps the game 5-4. And then we get to wrap it up here. Pearson with another goal. Malkin essentially dangles right through Silverberg. Silverberg didn't even turn and look at him after that. Just went to the side and took another man. That just left Malkin all alone in the slot. He was able to rip a shot high on Gibby, who makes the save. Off the shoulder, it bounces behind him, and if you look at this replay, there's three Pittsburgh Penguins essentially on the backside of the Ducks' defenders, and one of them happened to be Pearson, who probably didn't need to tap it into the net as it was going in, but he does, he gets his second on the night, and now it's 6-4 Pittsburgh. When you Tanner Pearson you take the goal, you take as many <laughs> goals as you can get, right? Yeah, yeah, I would've when too. You, when
1: you see a puck going in and it's about to cross the line, you, you tap that in and you take as many goals as you can get. If Kenny Malkin's got enough. Uh, he's a, what is he, he? Oh, he wasn't an NHL top 100 player, was
0: he? That's what the call him. Oh, because he he's top Russian 100. and Canada yeah. doesn't like Russia. and Yeah, 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 it's all these things. Ten,
1: Tanner Pearson wants to get in that club, so he'll take as many goals as he can
0: I, they get. They probably would have put Pearson 101 and then Malkin 102 or 103. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's and, how that's how it goes. But yeah, tough one. I mean, not much you can do. It's it's an unlucky bounce. It's not as
0: crazy as Michael Fairland's bounce for Carolina, mean, Carolina tonight. But you, you kind of uh, could have. I don't know. Covered the players around John Gibson. Uh, it was. Why the, would you do
1: that? Why would they ever do that? I
0: don't know, man. Let's let's wrap this up here. Gensel gets another one. He gets the hat trick. The empty netter. Jake the Snake is able to uh, solidify here the win that was probably already over with after the fifth goal and would wrap up the victory for Pittsburgh here. They come into Anaheim on a hot streak. This other team is broken, and they smash the broken team into into uh, smithereens after they had some hope. I mean, 4-3 going into the third, I mean, you had to have to shut her down, and Pittsburgh found a way to motor past Anaheim just like everyone else has the last nine games. So the Ducks now are on a 10-game losing streak as we head on the road. And I think they're playing 10 of their next 11 on the road, Eddie. And that will start on Sunday um, against the Jets. And we're having a watch party, by the way. Let me throw this in here real quick, Eddie. Watch party on Sunday. It's in West Yorba Linda off of Richfield, Yorba the Boulevard, essentially. Uh, we have all kinds of prizes to give away. We're going to have a good time whether the Ducks win or lose. We just want to hang out with a bunch of Ducks fans, eat pizza, have some drinks, giving away an autographed Kessler jersey. Two tickets to the Predators-Ducks game in March in the 200 level. we got a throwback hat. We've got a few pucks. And we're going to have a good time. So if you're in the Orange County area and you want to cruise on over, um, or if you're really awesome, you want to make a longer drive, you live outside Orange County, I mean, kudos to you if you want to come out and party with us. But uh, we'll be there around 2.30 and puck drops at 3. So hopefully we see you guys, Lamp Post and uh, West Belinda. Hope to see you guys there. All right, Eddie, post-game talk. Where do you, you want to start, my friend?
1: Uh, i got to get into something we didn't have listed Mm. as being put up on there, but uh, my compager after the game tweeted out that Randy Carlisle snapped when asked if he's worried about his job security and then abruptly ended the interview, said, Dumb question, and then called the reporter a jerk. (laughs) So apparently that happened. And then uh, somebody also tweeted out that that it was someone from the athletic he said the uh, somebody asked him who said it and uh they said who was this that said this uh jp hornstra said the handsome fellow from the athletic is the one who asked him so that's either what eric stevens or josh cooper who asked him if he <laughs> felt like his job was him? In... I mean, listen, I, I you, you're gonna be pissed, right? You're on a ten game losing streak, and you don't want to hear jobs, but your uh, questions about your job security—that's uh, a tough any, question, man. Ending the interview and snapping and saying it was a dumb question—I mean, you know you're gonna get those, right? Like you—you should be prepared for that. You should know that those questions are obviously gonna come up, and he just, yeah, I guess he's fed up with it.
0: That's, that's a tough call man I love Stevens and I love Cooper you know that we've had Cooper on the show a few times and uh, I don't know man I would <laughs> I would love to know who said it that's that's great but uh, if I'm Randy Carlisle I'm pretty pissed if I could ask that question too because it's like yeah man <laughs> I probably am but I don't I still don't think he's getting fired he ha- I've said this time and time again during this season he has front office. Uh, behind him who's going to put him in a cush job once his ten is over and there is an option for another season for him to be coach in his contract and this is his second time with the team and bob likes him i don't see him being fired i find that leadership and ownership or whoever is running the show behind randy carlisle whether it's bob murray or it's uh, you know other people and, and staff. I don't know, man. I, honestly, we don't. But I really don't think that Randy Carlyle is getting fired. You can't make that obvious that you made the mistake there if you're Bob Murray. That you have to fire your buddy twice and then what? It's yeah. not gonna happen. It's Obviously not happening.
1: It no, there's there's no way. There's no way he does it now. If you don't, if you're not gonna do it after losing to the Ottawa Senators, well, you're both on. Like hilarious eight-game losing streaks, and then you lose in overtime to the worst team in the league, and you don't get fired. And the, what they're gonna fire him after losing seven-four to one of the, the hottest teams in the league? But again, I, I think the only way it happens if this got to like historic proportions. Like apparently the record is seventeen games in a row by the the infamous Washington Capitals in their first year in the league that every everybody compares horrible teams to. The Ducks were already mentioned in the same breath as them earlier this year in the shots against and how they were on par with that team. I think they also share it with a A Chelsea Sharks team from the past as well. They both went on 17-game losing streaks. If it got that bad, maybe. I mean, if it, if you, like, break history on how bad you are, there's no way he could stay. Like, if they got to 17 or 18, like, and broke the record, it's like, okay, he's gone. There's no way you keep him after that. Like, you got uh, historically bad.
0: Maybe. <laughs> I'm not saying a, maybe.
1: Two- I don't think he gets fired tomorrow. I don't think we wake up tomorrow and he gets fired.
0: No, he's not going anywhere. Bob Murray is not going to do that. He's not going to fire Randy Carlisle. And look, I mean, you blame him. I mean, do you really want to be the guy to fire your friend twice? Do you really? And then what are they going to replace him with? We've we've talked about this so many times. Uh, there's just Nothing. nobody that you could put here except for Dallas Eakins And you're not going to do that until next season.
1: There's nobody you can put here and that's even going to be able to make a difference and and initiate enough change at this point that it's going to turn the season around for the Ducks. I mean, if you bring somebody in, that's going to implement a new style. The team has to buy into it. Throw Corey Perry behind the bench. Let Corey
0: Perry run the show. I bet you the Ducks (laughs) break out of their slump.
1: I think I saw somebody say that earlier. Or, like, every, everybody's go-to is always throw Timu behind the bench. Oh, come on. And, and, he's you know, he's having too much fun partying
0: with, with his yacht. He's not going to come back behind the bench and do that.
1: No, he's not going to do it. But uh, nobody's coming in right now and making a difference with this team. Um, I guess you ride it out with Randy Carlo and hope you lose for Hughes or play crap over Kakko, and you get a, a top pick and, and be able to t- – I mean, is that such a bad thing at this point?
0: You can't play really? John
1: Gibson in your net and hope to bomb. Man, they've lost 10 games with John Gibson in their net. I know, yeah, I, I but agree you, 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 you I'm just rest thing. your goalie, throw
0: Chad Johnson in every night, and then you're like, you're oh, this bad, okay.
1: If you're playing this bad, look at how John Gibson played tonight. If you're playing this bad, you're still going to lose games. Yeah, John but Gibson dude, will win the occasional game where he just completely stands on his head, but that won't happen all season.
0: The Kings want Hughes so bad. I mean, they're back. I think they're in 30th or 31st again. Ducks are only
1: nine points, I think, out of the bottom.
0: Oh yeah, but I mean, well, at least they're finally out of a playoff spot. So maybe this is time for a change coming
1: here. <laughs> at least they're finally out of a playoff spot.
0: Yeah, if you're trying to bomb, at least I mean, do you yeah. want to make the playoffs at this point? I don't really, I don't really see there being uh, a reason to make the playoffs at this point. I mean, I'd love to
1: make the playoffs because the old saying, if you you get in, there's always a chance, um, but. I don't think they're going to do anything. No, they got to right be sellers it's a, a at the
0: deadline.
1: So long shot if they get in, and like you said, they're going to be sellers at the deadline. I can't see them being buyers at all. They could probably even win out until the deadline at this point, and I don't think they would be buyers. Um, Silfenberg, we already thought no matter how they're going to be doing, he was gone. Pontus Abergley. Like he'll be on his way out, whether yep. it's sooner rather or later. You're going to likely go in with the rest of this team here. There's nobody else you can really sell unless you're just looking to completely rebuild. Maybe you decide to sell, you know, trade off Josh Manson before you have to worry about losing him in the Seattle draft down the road and just go for that full rebuild right now. I doubt they do it, uh, and, and then up front there's nobody. You're you're really trading from that group. You're not going to trade Adam Henrique, and like, unless I, like I said, if you're going for a full rebuild, you maybe consider it, and you trade him before you have to lose him for nothing, and before teams won't even look at it because they have to worry about their own expansion draft needs. But I just don't see it happening. I I, I see the only two moves that happen are they lose Silverberg and they lose Adberg, and that's probably it. I don't that's even it? know if they, I don't know if they really go and buy anything. And who like I said, who are they going to sell? Who who are they going to uh, sell? That, I mean, that makes sense. At you, this could, point. you could you could easily.
0: I mean, they could sell Brandon Montour. He's going to be highly sought after for sure, right? For other pieces. Look, I mean, they have could, to do. But they have to you? do something. What well, we talked about this in the summer, and I think that we should talk about this really quick and then get to questions because we have a ton and we want people to be able to contribute to the show. But uh, it's we talked about this where like the roster's locked. We keep we kept saying it's locked, like. You have these players that are just locked into these stupid contracts that are probably past their prime, and it's so hard for these young guys to come through. I mean, we're like, yeah, they're not going to move him. They're not going to move him. They're not going to move uh, Ryan Kessler. They're not going to move you know, Patrick Ease when he's healthy. They're all going to play in their normal spots. Well, now's the time. If you sell, you make room for to, for this team to get younger and faster. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing at this point. We've We've seen it this season. This team can't play to... Its capabilities that it did at times last year and then even more the year before this is this team that needs to learn that it's probably on the cusp of going into a rebuild and they might as well kind of take after what um i mean who did this last year I think it was the rangers where they went out and yeah. said they were going to get rid of players i think that's not a bad idea you need to be a seller here and and start restructuring this team to get faster bob murray like you said you were going to do yet you keep getting out class night and night again
1: yeah again it's almost a stealth tank as people like to call it as you start trading off pieces that you might not necessarily have to trade off like adam henry or josh manson and again i mean there's there's strategy behind it like i already said with the the saddle expansion draft coming up if you trade off some guys now get some draft picks and, and start building that way and You won't have to worry about losing those guys for nothing eventually because you know the Ducks are primed to lose one of Brandon Montour, Josh Josh Manson, Adam Henrique, maybe one of their younger forwards. They're they're going to lose somebody in that expansion draft if they're not moved beforehand. And and, and try moving them next season is going to be difficult because teams are already going to start prepping for that. If you trade them now, teams aren't necessarily, especially playoff teams, aren't really looking maybe that far ahead. I'm sure GMs are. But it's more so, oh, what can we bring in this year to make us that much better to go for a cup? And then we'll worry about it. Uh, we'll worry about it next year if we're gonna have to move players or lose guys or whatever. So maybe you go that route if you're if you're playing that bad. The Ducks are already playing that bad. I would go that route. I think this team needs, and, and I don't think it's a full rebuild. It's more of a retool because they have a lot of young players in place, and you've got a lot of young prospects who are just on the cusp, especially forward prospects. Of being full-time NHLers I just think they need those one or two big pieces That uh, finishing in the bottom five this year Could benefit from
0: Look, we've been in the playoffs Year after year after year um, Winning divisions And uh, I think the last time the Ducks missed the playoffs Was it when Bruce Boudreau took over the team his first When he came in The first time Carlisle got fired On a bad season yep. Bruce came in And they missed the playoffs that year Then after that they went on a run and they played well. We've been spoiled here with good hockey in Orange County. Now We've also been, <laughs> been uh, put through the ringer in the 90s and early 2000s with terrible teams. Uh, and like you said, I don't think it's going to get that bad for that long. But you're going to have to suffer. When you have success after success, you have an aging core, this is what happens. It just happens. Look at the Kings. It happens. Yeah. The Blackhawks. It happens. You have to go through it. And the Ducks are probably at that point. So I wouldn't be so upset if they sold off pieces there. Uh, Jimmy said 2012, by the way, is the last time they missed the playoffs. Okay. Um, that's what he was referring to. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 quite a run. So uh, like we said, we've been spoiled here. Um, do we have any anybody else in chat that wants to uh, pop in with a question before we get to our social media questions? You have anything we
1: on YouTube? Few, yeah, we had a few in YouTube uh, asking if a bio uh, Ricky asked if a buyout for Kessler is still possible, and if we bought out uh, Ryan Kessler and would that allow us to still sign Silverberg to like a two year
0: bridge deal. Um I don't know if you really want to if you're Bob Murray. Um I, I kind of feel like you could fetch something, you know, pretty good for Jacob Silverberg. And I feel like he, at his age, you're better off selling him now before he comes back and wants a four by four, right? He's he's going to get four or five million dollars, I think, in the open market. So if you're Bob Murray, I don't know if you want to put money on him. He's he he has been dynamic in in the past, but I think currently you want to sell on him right now and uh, bring in a younger guy for less.
1: Yeah, I don't think Silverberg at this point in his career is taking a, a bridge deal there's no way he's going to want to get paid and it's probably going to be for four or five or even six years if some team is willing to pay him that much money. Um, and, and I still think the buyout for Ryan Kessler is possible. I just don't think that's a, a Bob Murray type of move because like we already said, uh, mm-hmm. if Ryan Kessler gets bought out at this point, his career is probably over. I don't yeah. really see a team taking him on, even re-signing him for a minimal amount of money the way he's been playing. I don't know if he wants to go out that way being a third or a fourth line center either. I'm not sure that's really what he wants. That's but, tough uh, to
0: you. I mean, I know, man. I, I love Ryan Kessler and he's he is like the mm-hmm. basically the epitome of a tough hockey player. What you talk about when you talk about hockey players being like tough guys and fight through pain and persevere. He's that guy. But it's his body's just not keeping up with the league anymore. He's having a real hard year. I, I can't imagine Bob Murray buying him out. Unless Kessler's like, yeah, go ahead. I'm going to retire. You know what I mean? Something along those lines. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't see him doing that. Um, Rebecca in chat says, do you think Getzloff can make this team win? In combination with John Gibson, yes. (laughs) Getzloff has the ability to take over a game. As long as John Gibson shores up the defense. (laughs)
1: That's his job. Uh, But he did go eight games scoreless. And I'm not, listen, I'm not beating on Ryan Getzloff. It happens. Especially when the rest of the team's playing horrible there's only a few players in this league probably a handful of players who can uh take take it upon their own will to make a team better in a game and literally win games on their own Uh, Ryan Getzlaff occasionally can be that player but there's only a few on a consistent basis and obviously Connor McDavid is one uh you would have to say this season Nikita Kucherov is another Nathan McKinnon is one that comes to mind I mean there's only a few players that can really do that and take over a game and win it, win it on their own for their team. And like you said, coupled with John Gibson and in a very good night from Ryan Getzlaff where he's dominating, I think that they can, but not on a consistent basis. You need the rest of this team going. The way they're set up is they have to work as a unit. Uh, they don't have one player who can carry the load consistently for them. So no, not over a long term, maybe a few games here or there, um, but that's it. Uh, we got a question from David here in YouTube. Uh, a little bit of a stretch, but he says uh, Panarin and Tarasenko go to the Ducks. What do you think?
0: <laughs> I mean, wouldn't we all? <laughs> name, name your price. Name your price. And I, w- I would take <laughs> pretty much any deal for those two guys on this team. Uh, th- you can't pass that up if you everybody sell, wants them. You sell
1: the farm and then some at that point to bring, to bring those guys. And, I mean, Panarin's a UFA so that is a little bit less, but and Taris what Tarasenko is, is going to be twenty six or twenty eight? He's going to be twenty seven. Uh, I know Panarin is twenty seven. Tarasenko's around that twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. Oh, whatever, uh, yeah, they're I mean, in their pride. Hell. You're not. You probably can't even afford one, let alone both. You're looking at losing Steele, Comtois, Terry, Max Jones, probably one of your top defensemen. And Brandon Montour is out. I mean, you're losing. First-round picks, left, right, and center. You, you're probably losing, you're losing three, three players
0: everything. on each one of those guys. Yeah,
1: it makes them better for a bit. But again, then if you bring in and the Ducks aren't going to re-sign him this year. There's no way they'd be able to afford that. Uh, also, bringing in Tarasenko's contract, unless you're shipping out other contracts, you can't do that. And what, do you think You think uh, St. Louis or Columbus is going to take on Ryan Kessler or Corey Perry's contract in, in a trade? like That's not going to happen.
0: I mean, but it's right now, thinking. if the Ducks were close, Eddie, to the playoffs... You could probably swing a deal for something stupid like that for a rental, but Bob's not about rentals. Well, one of them. Yeah, there's no way you would get both. I think you could swing a deal for Artemi Panarin, but
1: Bob's never been a high-profile rental guy. Uh, And if if for some reason Tarasenko was available, which I don't think he was, uh, that would be a hard trade for anybody, not just the Ducks, to swing it. I mean, he's an elite player, having a down year with a team that's not playing that well, but he has 40-goal potential, probably 50-goal potential. He's one of the, the top goal scorers in the league when he's playing on. Just doesn't really have anybody to play with this year, and he's having a down year. But it would be insane. I mean, I could I could just dream of a Ryan Getzlaff with Tarasenko-type combo. Uh, it, it would remind us of, of Ryan Getzlaff with Corey
0: Perry back in the day, but I, I just don't see it happening. Pure finisher pure finisher on the wing with Getzlaff would be a beautiful thing again, for sure.
1: Uh, okay, so we'll move to Twitter. Uh, Brett asked is Abrix time done. So is is he done? Is he ever going to come back into the lineup?
0: Mm, yeah, he has to. This team's not not playing well. He'll he'll find his way back into the lineup. I I honestly think, feel like um he probably was out of the lineup the first time It's kind of like a lesson. You know, hey, you better start scoring again, Pontus, or you're not going to play. You know, one of those things that coaches do sitting guys when they're having a tough time in the league. And that happens across the board. I know we like to over-speculate on things like that. Unless you're Nikita Kucherov uh, or a player of that ilk when you're that good, you don't get benched. But when you're not and you're more of a yeah. one-dimensional scorer like Aberg or Aberg, rather, um, there, there is times that come around when you get benched. So I think it will be back in. But uh, not against Pittsburgh. <laughs> Pittsburgh no. Pittsburgh has too many weapons to have someone not play defensively on the puck.
1: Yeah, I think he'll be back in. I just don't know right, at this point who you take out. It, it's kind of tough. I mean, Daniel Sprong just scored, and if you had to pick anybody out of that top six who would get taken out, it's probably him. Um, again, the Kessel line is not getting split up, so I mean, maybe then you just kind of hope that. You take somebody out in the fourth line, probably Gibbons or Rowney, and you just plug in Pond de That's where I see him fitting back in. It would be a long shot at this point, I think, for him to make his way back into the top six unless somebody gets injured. Uh, So I I don't think he's done, uh, but I think he gets a few more games. But I'm still under belief that he gets traded at the deadline. I mean, you might as well. If they don't trade him, they're missing out on whatever assets they could get for him. There's no point in keeping him. Uh, he doesn't fit into the top six next year. If you're hoping that other guys like why and Lindström and Terry are going to take steps forward, you're just blocking their spots by keeping him at that point. So, I'm I'm a guy who believes he should be traded at the deadline, uh, but he'll probably wear him his way back in at some point.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Uh,
1: from Skid McMarks, one of the, still one of the favorite <laughs> one names, one of the best done.
0: names, one of the best handles. On, uh,
1: on Twitter. He says, once Randy Carlisle goes after this season, do we see an entire bench clearing? Uh, because he hasn't been impressed with the entire staff,
0: including Morrison and Wilford.
1: I don't think Carlisle brought those guys in, did he? They were just brought
0: in. They were brought up so, from – I know that, that Morrison was brought up from the goals, right? Yeah, so was Wilford. So. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, honestly, it, it might just be making its way for Dallas Eakins to come up here. They bring these guys up the year before. Yeah. And then next season they bring in Dallas Eakins. Randy Carlyle retires, takes a front office job, uh, serving popcorn to the Sam Willies or whatever he has in store for him in retirement. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't really see it being a clean house situation um, unless that's something Dallas Aikens wants to do. Because generally, when a coach comes in, they let you, you know, you pick your tandems, right? So, yeah. and unless there's an issue between. Uh, His assistant coaches and Dallas Eakins, who's worked with those guys, I don't really see a change happening. I I definitely think this roster, for the love of God, sees change this summer or sooner rather than later, the deadline. But uh, I don't don't really see the assistant coaches being taken out anywhere.
1: I I think they should. They haven't been impressive. They haven't really shown anything. The special teams haven't been good. Uh, The defense, whoever's running that. They have decided to run with the exact same pairings all year when they clearly haven't really worked. Uh, Haven't even tried to go back what what has been working for two years prior to this, if not longer. Uh, Nothing is going well for this team right now. And I don't see why any of them should come back. And again, that's, that's a decision for the new coach to make. If it's Dallas Aikens, maybe he decides to keep them around because he is familiar with them. But I think if it's a new coach coming from the outside, everybody's probably gone. I think it's it's clean house. They'll bring in whoever they want, and it's gone. And I think that's what this team could use right now It's just a completely new, new voices, new mindset. Nobody left around from what this shit show has been this year. Just clean house and bring in a completely new staff. I think that's the only direction you're going to be able to go at this point.
0: We'll see. I wonder how much of the show Carlisle's running. I'd like to say that they did a good job. In um, San Diego, and they get brought up. Another, they they too were also being uh, handcuffed by Coach Carlisle. That's my sure. that's my hope. <laughs>
1: right, last, last last question we have because a lot of them, like I said, they were kind of similar with uh, Randy Carlisle questions, Auberg questions, Kessler questions. Uh, this one is is about Ryan Kessler. It says, "What will it take to get Kessler's line going? Do they need to be, Do they need to be spit up?"
0: Um, they, they need to find replacements for Ryan Kessler and Andrew Cogliano. They, they're both, they're, they're both not the same player anymore. It it happens to all of them. It's bad. Nothing's
1: gonna, yeah, nothing's gonna make this better.
0: I I was in the middle of, uh, getting ready for dinner when the broadcast said Kessler scored and I was like, Oh, holy hell. He broke his streak. I know. I heard that too. (laughs) And then I look up and it was Ryan Getzloff. I was like, Oh, okay. Makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> this team is is uh they need to find somebody from somewhere. It's they're they're really really bad. Um Dave, I have to get to him. He is one of our faithful Patreon people as well as follower on social media. He asked a question yesterday that I told him that we would talk about tonight. He actually asked like, I don't know, he wrote like a like his thesis on the docs it seemed like this ridiculously long comment which I thought was great. On Facebook, but I'll kind of brief it up for you. Uh, he says, "Why isn't Sprong playing on the left side of the power play? We have him positioned on the right, which I don't think utilizes his shot. He's shown in previous games he can connect on a one timer with accuracy and velocity. Unlike Montour, who may hit the net on a one timer one out of ten times. How do you feel about that? I, I mean, he's he's scored from that area before. Why aren't they making more use of him on that side, being a right-handed shot?"
1: They've got a million right-handed shots on that power play. But Sprong can like shoot that the puck. Forever. No, I agree. He should be in a spot that he should utilize it. But the Ducks have so many right-handed shots that it's just a mess. It's it's just – it's that first unit is Montour, Getzlaff, Sprong, and Raquel. And yeah. it's it's just – even if Kessler finds his way out, it's another right-handed shot. And it, if if they decide to put uh, Getzlaff at the point, you've, you, have, you have the potential to, a lot of the time to have five right-handed shots on the power play. Which is not really a good look. Uh, I think you should be utilizing in a spot because they're obviously not going to do it with Brandon Montour, which you and me have kind of wanted for a long time. Give it to Daniel Sprong. He's shown that he, he's consistent on that one time. He scored a couple power play goals with it, so at least give him a look there. I mean, it, it doesn't hurt to put him in that Stamkos Ovechkin whatever whatever you want to call it that spot on the ice. And see if he can get that. The problem is that only works if you can get a cross-ice pass over there unless you're OV and you can just go off every one-timer you get from that spot. But the Ducks don't do those cross-ice passes on the power play. It's perimeter work. And what is is that pass going to do if you really can't get a good one-timer off from a a short pass down from your D-man? You know, the, we've we've seen it. It's it's been a problem with the power play all year. They can't get these cross ice dangerous passes that would set up a really clean one timer. So even if you put anybody there, they're just not set up in in the right way to utilize
0: it. They love the perimeter. They love the dump and chase. They love the perimeter. Uh, another another part of this question, he says that puck luck is BS. Uh, you make your own luck when you take the puck to the net. Um, he said that they they have a lot of shoot a lot of shots a lot of chances. But they're all low danger chances because they're all perimeter shots, which is essentially what you're saying from the power play, which also translates into the Ducks' lack of a rush game. So, I mean, Dave also making that uh, observation there, which I know you and I agree with. And then this is the interesting one where he says, all the talk about names on this club that are quote-unquote good to high end – players, it should be the reason why this club shouldn't be in the position they're in. At what point do we start asking if those names just really aren't that good and don't possess the skill? So he's basically asking, is it coaching or is it the makeup of the team that's the issue here? We all like to hashtag fire Carlisle, which I honestly feel like um, that's something that we need to do anyway. But is the composition of this team just not what everyone thought it was? I, I think it's both. It's you know this has been a downfall of Ryan Kessler
1: which everybody's publicly t- talked about and and that's hurt the Ducks uh, Cogliano never really been much of a scorer but he's taken a huge step back and it's a lot because of that line um, Silverberg really only ever seems to get something going when he is found not on the ice with Ryan Kessler and Andrew Cogliano that seems to be when he scores on this case it was a shorthand goal a lot of other times it's a power play goal or when he gets left out there with Ryan gets left by accident that just seems to be when silverberg scores and, and he's a streaky player yeah you know we, we've seen that that that's what he's been for his entire career he goes on streaks where he he will score a ton of goals and he'll go on cold streaks so that that's the case we kind of have seen what we expected from those guys obviously it sucks that Ryan kessler has been in that position this year but i think for the other lines uh ricard Raquel's had a really strong season i think he's still a, a good 50 60 point player on a consistent basis it's just a down year from him because it's a down year from everybody else um the only other elite player i guess you could say we have is ryan gets because barring that eight game goalless or even scoreless streak he was doing what we expected from him but he can't do that on, on, on an every night basis and, and then it comes down to the other players that fourth line is what it is full of fourth liners Mm -hmm. they're not going to contribute too much you're not going to see too much for them i love keeper sherwood's energy but he is not a offensive player he is rarely generating offense or putting the puck in the back of the net he's not a guy you can consistently rely on to put up points um and then it comes down to the the two question marks for me really is adam henrique and nick ritchie and i think we've been surprised and and kind of happy with what we've seen from Nick Ritchie this year, but that doesn't mean he's a big part of this offense. And then Adam Henrique, I think a lot of people are expecting more from him and just looking at the name and saying this team's going to be really good because they're going to have Getzlav Henrik, and Kessler down the middle. And that's nothing against Adam Henrique; I think he's done what we expected from him, but he's a 40-point guy, 50-point guy in, in a very good season. So that leaves you with potentially two guys over 60. That's it maybe one guy at 50 and then nobody else nobody else is touching that andre kasha in a full season probably could but you've got two possible 60 point guys one 50 point guy and then everybody else is is 40 or way below that's not gonna you're not you're not gonna score enough goals doing that they don't have enough consistent guys i mean you got teams out there who have possibly two or three guys who are going to hit close to 100 this year and we've got two guys who maybe could have got over 60 if you looked at it from the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, and if you want to talk about uh, a little bit on on Ryan Kessler too, it was it was made to be a big deal tonight by Hayward and John Allers and I know they're not the, you know the end all say all of broadcasting, but they kept pointing out in the broadcast that uh, you know Randy Carlyle was it was matching up strictly Kessler against Crosby and he just chewed him up, spit him out. High danger chances yeah. were 11-2 to two in favor of Pittsburgh when Kessler was on the ice with Sidney Crosby. This team doesn't really have that shutdown line anymore. And, you know, some some have wondered if, if maybe this team just kind of just... I, I don't think anyone ever gives up. But they're just not playing with ferocity anymore. Um, and I think that starts to happen when you, you just can't buy a goal. And then when you start scoring, you just still can't hold on to the lead. Um and Gibson's kinda hasn't been, you know, the the insane, you know, hockey deity that he's been earlier on in the season. He's come down to being a great goalie, but um he's started to look a little average on these. You know, uh, you know, friend of the show Paul Campbell even even uh tweeted something out there tonight saying Gibson just looks tired. Yeah. <laughs> he says he always looks tired. I don't like. blame him. I don't blame him. I mean, you see, then the overtime just kind of like, oh, gee, there we go again. Another, you know, stack that up another another L on the season. It's um, it's tough. It's been a tough go for this team, and these guys are all frustrated. They're all competitors, and it's gonna be it's gonna make for a very interesting last half of the year because changes have to happen, man. Um, I'm not sure where they're gonna go with it here, but uh, like we talked about earlier, I hope they go with a selling route because they really do need to make some uh, personnel changes, starting behind the bench.
1: At least we have Sunday against the horrible Winnipeg Jets, right? They're not a good team this year.
0: Hey, hey, don't, don't, don't undersell this. We're going to have fun no matter what on Sunday. Um, no matter what, there's we're going to pack that place out at Lampos. It's going to be a good time. Come on in, have a good time with us. We can all talk about uh, you know the players and the, and uh, the team that we love still, even if they you know win or lose, we will still have a good time. And um, you know if you're having that bad of a time. Maybe we'll pop on a football playoff game on one of the six TVs that we have in the corner. You can watch football. But uh, <laughs> just come and hang out. We're going to have a, have a go in there at Lampost in uh, West Yorba Linda. Like we said, we had a ton of giveaways. We got an autographed jersey for Ryan Kessler, uh, a throwback hat. We have a, bottle, a puck bottle opener with our cool FM logo on it. For those of you on YouTube who haven't seen it, they're pretty cool. Uh, our Patreon peeps know all about them. Um, they got those uh, for contributing to us here earlier this year or end of last year, rather. And then also don't forget we have two tickets in the lower bowl against the Preds in March, so we're giving those away. So show up on Sunday. West, your Belinda puck drops at 3 o'clock. We'll get there around 2.30, and uh, we'll have a great time no matter what. Um, But you have anything else you want to add to the show, my friend?
1: No, that's it. It's just it's nice that you guys get to have fun on Sunday. And uh, meanwhile, we've got to suffer through... The, what, what it potentially is probably going to be another loss for the Ducks. I don't want to sound pessimistic at this point, but uh, second best team in the Western Conference. Uh, only player they're without right now is Nikolai Ehlers. Still got uh, Mark Shifley, who's tearing it up. Blake Wheeler, who is uh, just ridiculous that he's he's got better with age, which is unbelievable. Not many yeah. guys can do that, but I don't know. I I hope it's good. I I hope they can they can break this losing streak. But then on the other side of me says I kind of hope they get a top five pick, and then I could really, you know, for a long time, for the longest time, we haven't really been able to dive into the draft and get excited about anything. It's always (laughs) been, it's always been picks, like playoff picks, so you get like 20 and below. I just, I really want to see them get another top pick, and the last one was, was it Nick Richie or Hampus Lindholm? I think it was Nick Nick Richie was the last top ten pick they had. I think so. And then before that, and then before that was Hampus Lindholm, and then way back, I think it was probably... Cam fell. I don't know if Cam, Cam fell. Also, I think it was Bobby Ryan was even before that. So they haven't had many of them. So One pick away
0: Sam from that. getting Sid the Kid, we got Bobby Ryan. Don't remind me. That's Bobby that, Ryan's man. legacy. Um, that,
1: that pops up in my nightmares every now
0: and then. <laughs> Shout out to everybody who's tuned into the show, uh, especially over this last stretch, too. All of you listeners are gold. We love talking to you guys, getting feedback from you guys on social media, whether it's in our chat, whether you look at our faces on YouTube um and and send us messages we love all the interaction uh we, it's it's tough to to watch this team and then get you know get burned night and night again then you come and listen to us talk about it and but we love we love the fact you guys join we do it for you guys um eddie's doing the, th- the three-star leaderboard uh i think clarissa was in first place before tonight right yeah there was so- like
1: she was first with four and there was like 13 people behind behind him with three points.
0: So Eddie will definitely uh, have have that figured out here this week and get you guys an updated leaderboard for the month of January. Um, also shout out to coolhockey.com if you haven't bought a jersey from them, um, you need to because they're extremely good quality, they're top notch. They customize them. They're the one who they're the ones who supply the jersey for our Forever Mighty 3 Stars. They're the ones who let us give one away every month uh, for you guys playing on uh, you know guessing, you know, points every night. Uh, for the Ducks game, so go to coolhockey.com, we have a promo code too, you don't have to wait to get one, FM20 is the promo code, use that, that'll get you 20% off your jersey purchase, like I said, go to coolhockey.com and check them out, and uh, if you guys haven't already, I probably should have said this at the beginning of the show, if you could do us a huge favor, uh, we're trying to build up uh, you know, ourselves on, on social media, and you know with iTunes reviews, if you have a minute, I know that it's not the most fun thing to do, but if you could pop on uh, to YouTube and click subscribe. That helps us out. And also click the little bell. That'll notify you whenever we have a video coming up. And if you have a minute to go to YouTube, or YouTube, I just said that, iTunes rather, and put a review on there and give us a five-star rating, we would love that. Um, and it just it just helps us out tremendously to grow the pod. So, anyways, that's it. I'm done talking about this game. And uh, I'm sure Eddie is too. But we'll be right back at it on Sunday. We'll see you at Lampos Pizza in West Shore Belinda. Uh, If you're local, if you're not, uh, you can join us for the post-game show there. Jason, I'll be taking care of duties that night. But until then, everyone, have a great one.